You are now listening to Portionality Podcast. I am your host, Portia D. Hey Saints, welcome back to another episode of Portionality Podcast. I am your host, Portia D, and I am on location today in the great city of New York with a fantastic, awesome, super dope comedian entrepreneur by the name of Ishmael Gaynor. Yes, I'm so excited to have Ishmael here in the house with me. Um, just a little bit of information about Ishmael. I also met Ishmael on the street, like I did Drexton Clemens, who was my guest in the previous episode. And so he is actually the founder of Comedy Ish Productions. And Comedy Ish Productions is a production company for black people that produces comedy shows and comedy skits and films. And so he is featured at Gotham Comedy Club. You can also find him at Greenwich Village Comedy Club. And every Sunday you can find him at Shrine in Harlem for the Brown Sugar Comedy Brunch. Yes. And so we're going to be chatting it up today um, just about a number of different things. But I was really interested about comedy as a black enterprise. And so I'm really excited that Ishmael could join us on today. And so welcome to the show, Ishmael Gaynor. Thank you, Portia. Thank you, Portia. I'm happy to be here. And uh, that's it. Yeah. I I like being here. I like being here. I like seeing you again. (laughs) Yeah, I'm so glad that you're here. Um, So, yeah, y'all, we're at Starbucks. And, like, you know, we, we just out here. So, all the background noise you hear is just us being out here in these city streets. And, you know... Us being up here uptown, I guess. Uptown, yeah, uptown baby. Uptown. Yeah. Uptown. uptown. <laughs> and, <laughs> and if you don't have, you know, background noise in your life, then I'm like, get your life. Get you some background noise. Yeah. Um, that you definitely need some background noise. You definitely need Casanova playing in the background <laughs> at your house. That's all you need. You need Casanova in the background. There's some Casanova. Yes. Me and Romeo ain't never been friends. Ain't never been. <laughs> ain't never been. Ain't That's my cousin. Been. I don't like that nigga. Something I'm <laughs> Ain't like that who? I don't like that dude. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> we gonna let it slip today, <laughs> Saints. <laughs> we oh, gonna let God. it slip. We gonna All let right. it slip. Yes. And so, um, yeah, Ishmael, I'm so glad that you are here um, with me on the episode today. Yes. And so, just tell the Saints a little bit about who you are, where you come from. And yeah, all that good stuff. Well, I am a New York City comedian. I'm from Yonkers, New York. Uh, I do stand up all around the city. Um, like she said, I run Comedy Ish, which is like a black. It's a black. Uh, we we're a black production company, which we produce comedy shows as well as other uh, various different things. Like we we put on uh, like about a few comedy shows like a month. We also run like we do little sketches. We do short films. We do short films, things like that. Uh, pretty much, we just want to do stuff for the culture. Pretty much, we want to do stuff to like make black people feel good coming out. Um, to see other black comics is going to be coming up uh, throughout New York City. And usually, if you catch a comic here in New York City, nine times out of ten, three or four years from now, they're going to probably be famous comics somewhere else. So you got a good chance of catching somebody before you know they go to Def Comedy Jam or even if they're on Def Comedy Jam now at one of our shows. So. That's always good. Yeah. And so, Ishmael, what got you into comedy in the first place? Like, what interested you about comedy? Like, why comedy? You know, why not, you know, uh, you know, street sweeping? <laughs> well, street sweeping, first off, uh, was my tw- uh, my MySpace name back in the day. That was my, uh, no, I'm joking. Nah, nah, but uh, um, comedy was, um, I came from a funny family, just like most black people. And, um... I was a class clown, like most young comics, and um, I used to just make everybody laugh. I would like, but not just my classmates, I would make like teachers laugh, 
Like I remember a teacher was kicking me out of class and she would just be like, she'd be snickering as she'd be like, go to the principal's office. Kind of like, hey, you know, that type of stuff. And then um, I think when I became, I started acting when I was like 15. So I would start, you know, being in that free flowing environment. Uh, people used to always tell me, like, you should do comedy. You should do comedy. I'd, I was like, nah. And then I became a grown man and I was like, you know what? I should try comedy. <laughs> I like I liked Eddie Murphy and uh, Dave Chappelle. I was watching Eddie Murphy raw and I was like, I think I'm gonna try comedy. And I was like officially and I think the next week I went up to uh to DC Improv, I watched like two comics go up and do well and then um I went to just a regular open mic out in DC area and that was it. From there, just became a comedian. <laughs> That's what's up. And so you said that you were into acting. Yeah. So what kind of acting? Like film acting, theater acting? Tell us about that. Yeah, I was into uh, theater acting. Um, the first play I ever did was um, was Guys and Dolls, which is, yeah, yeah, it was a musical. And I can't really sing that well, but I, was, I played the character Nathan Detroit. And uh, uh, if you don't know who that is, that's Frank Sinatra's character. If you watch the movie, if you ain't never seen this movie, he, he sings pretty much. He sings. He's a drug, he's a gangster in a um, story, but he's they sing. They all they all they roll dice. It's been a minute since I thought since I seen the, the the seen the play, but it was it was dope. And so I did I did that. Um, I did Pippin. Uh, I did a bunch of musicals, actually. Matter of fact, yeah, but I didn't sing in Pippin. <laughs> I just was one of the people there. But um, we did Hair. Um, yeah uh, I did a bunch of like Small And then I did a bunch of small Like just uh, Black plays in general Like Being the best friend And <laughs> And all <laughs> All of those funny characters Like just But I liked I liked acting I, I even tried filming I was in um, I was like a, I was like in Gotham For like one episode Like but not like Nothing major I was just like in there Just so it's like Just a black dude in a suit That was about it And um it was dope. I like that. I like that. This is dope. I guess. Okay, cool. So, um, yeah, like I love the theater, right? Mm -hmm. And so I love theater because, especially like as a writer, like writing plays, because you never create the same moment twice. That's true. So, how does theater, your love for theater and acting, how does that inform your comedy? Um, well, theater helps because you're able to project without, really, without the microphone. So, if I was in two hundred, like a two hundred seat theater. I'd be able to project to everybody. I mean, like, people in the far back may be able to, like, kind of hear me. But, like, if you in the first, like, ten rows, if you in the first, like, eight to ten rows, you hear me, definitely. Like, I was sitting next to you. So, like, you know, that's that's good. The the, the discipline of theater is um, great to take to uh, comedy. Uh, but film, film, I feel like comedy translates best to film because... Um, it's everything is just experimental, uh, like you just trying stuff, especially improv comedy, which is not my particular style. I'm a stand-up comedian, but uh, those both translate pretty well because you get to create characters, get to like try out characters, trial fail, fail, and they kind of edit the best stuff and then they put it out. It's kind of like comedy, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. So tell me something about. Comedy-ish, okay? So Comedy-ish is your production company that produces comedy stage, um, stand-up co comedy shows yes. specifically, and also some videos as well. So how did you come up with the idea for Comedy-ish? Like, what really sparked that to say, you know what, 
I'm going to give this a go. I'm out here in New York, and I'm about to grab some comics and, you know, do it for the culture. Because that's like a y'all tagline, like, do it for the culture. So, like, what made you decide to say, I'm going to pull our people together in comedy and do this thing? So, yeah, like, what is that for you? And how are you giving people opportunities in this? Well, um, first of all, I, I like, I love... I love being black and I love being around black people. So I'm like a pro-black individual. So I like always wanted to be able to how to find a way to service our people and, and, uh, you know, service the bigger uh, goal and and whatever. Originally, I wanted to uh, to just to get around other black comics and not have the uh, politics of normal, regular comedy of, uh, you know, in a regular comedy club, you're only going to get one black comic or if there is, it's going to be one black night. And it's going to kind of like, it kind of makes everybody in competition with one another to get into those spots being like, you know, they're only going to have one or two, maybe. And like you lucky, a really progressive club may have three. And one of them is going to be like a light skinned black girl that looks almost white. So, so you're going to, so, you know, I wanted to be able to have a place where we could all be able to, um, black people could be able to come feel good. Um, you could see young comics coming up. Um, and also I wanted to make sure I wanted to have people on my team that wanted that wanted to also do the same thing like uh, like Drexen from the last podcast he's on our on the comedy-ish team as well um, we have Juan Carlos and Jamal uh, Richardson um, and you know all of us just all of us have the same goal of just wanting to be able to do it and we also wanted to be into films and um, kind of make a um, a black pack type film i guess you know like uh the you know we could all play fiddle off of each other like no egos just like you know just go in there make good quality work and and just present it out to an audience that wants to see good quality content i guess you know i guess that's a good (laughs) i guess that's what i want to say yeah so are there any other like black uh, comedy production companies out there that kind of like inspire you like how did you like come to know that like okay this is a business venture and this is an opportunity like for enterprise so are there other like all black comedy um, production companies out there like specifically like we know there's black music production we know that there's black theater production but what about black comedy production like who's who else is doing this work um, I don't know too many other black comedy productions. There's individual black comedians who produce black comedy stuff, but they're not a, like a comedy production company. I mean, they're trying to make music. I guess all Def Digital makes content for black people, but like, it's not to it's not to the uh, to um, the regular from open mic level all the way up to um, I guess we would say headliner. Uh, they make content for like. They kind of make content for, like, regular, like, young black people. They don't really make content that's going to be targeted towards older black people or even, like, middle ground. We, we trying to hit every type of black story that we possibly can can hit. But um, there's, like, there was black filmmaking companies that made, that inspired me. Like, uh, Black and Sexy TV. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Okay, so they're a YouTube series. And um, if you have a chance, just go look at their YouTube shows. They had... Um, they had this show called That Guy, and that guy was, um, it had two black actors and one black actress, and the black actress wrote the show, and it was just an idea of just a guy, just a guy walking around with a camera with 
him, him, him and his friends just being in a relationship, being out of relationships, and they had me captivated. Like from from episode two on, episode one was like I, right. but like episode two on was dope. And um, so I just wanted to make content like that. But here in New York, they're out in California, but here in New York, being where I'm from, you know, being taking young comics and doing that type of stuff i felt like that would be really good and also um the old deaf comedy jam type films like that 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 spawned out the bernie max and dio hughley's and all of them they never i feel like they just never continued on with that type of uh stuff like they kind of all got big and then they all just did their own thing but if they'd have kept up with it it would have uh helped younger comics that was coming up like uh like michael blackston and cat williams even though they've been in movies but i'm saying they they are like not as famous as like Vince Vaughn or like uh, Vince Vaughn is a white com- is a white stand-up comedian who is in a bunch of movies but is not nearly as funny as Bernie Mac ever was or Steve Harvey or any of those type of people uh, I just felt like if we did, if they'd have kept on with that it would have been dope and so those type of that type of stuff inspired me I guess you know to do to, to create this company yeah so who are your favorite comedians like who are your inspirations and then I want to ask you, who do you think is the greatest comedian of all time? Oh. Well, I mean, who inspired me? Um, uh, it's two comic. It's two comics who inspired me. Uh, Chris Rock was uh, the first one. He's my favorite. Yeah, yeah, he's one of my favorite. He's one of my like top top five comic, in my opinion. Uh, he wrote his own films when very young. Actually, even till now, he writes his own films. He directs his own film and he produces his own films. He just doesn't release them as as often. But um, him and I, and um, Dave Chappelle on the stand up side on like actual stage, um, just no one. He's like Richard Pryor of our time, just like just just so brave. He, he could talk about anything. It's like versatile, whether it's white crowd, black crowd, and he doesn't bring like a he brings just a regular man. It's a man just talking, and like that's. Where you just can get past the race and everything You can just get past just being a dude Just talking And that's dope So uh, Dave Chappelle overall But uh, the greatest comedian of all time This is going to be the most controversial thing I guess Because I'm going to say Bill Cosby Just Yeah I know I know And I know And I know what he done Is is taking his art aside from the crimes Because with, with the crimes Then we have to lower him of course But like He was so um, He was so Smart in his early day, he owned everything he ever touched. Um, like he before he had the second run of the Bill Cosby Show, he had his the first run of the Bill Cosby Show. He owned he like executive produced the second time um, the Bill Cosby Show. He owned several comedy clubs when he was a, a young guy. Um, he like the the current structure of how you make specials. He created that. That was not a thing before. He had the first like a. Uh, one of the first official comedy specials ever uh, with himself the in 19 I think it was like 74 or something like that or uh, or even before that his comedy albums they were all like legendary but he was he just he inspired everyone to have the structure of how comedy is now so I would say him but uh, I mean it's, it's just hard it, the goat thing is like subjective it's like you like somebody different I like somebody different it'll never be the greatest for comedy because Whoever's doing it the best at the time is probably going to be the greatest for that year. It's kind of like that. It's for there's never like a will be an overall greatest. But Bill Cosby is definitely like 
taking out the crimes. <laughs> he's he's amazing. He's amazing. Got to hear this pull up this YouTube joke of him talking about um, Noah and um, him talking about God speaking to Noah mm-hmm. about it's one of the funniest jokes you ever hear in your life. It's like ever. It's one of the best jokes ever. Oh, that, I was not expecting you to say Bill Cosby. Like I was not expecting that. Yeah. Um. So that really was like, uh huh. <laughs> um. So yeah, I'm like really shocked right now. I feel you. I understand. Um. And so, given that, but as you were saying that though, I I think it makes sense why Bill Cosby has been such an inspiration to you. Um. You know, yes, he's disappointed us greatly. Yes. Um. And you know, he's borderline canceled for us. You know, I like I said, I root for everybody. Black, but I can't root for your dark side. Can't root for it. No, you can't root for that. But um, I can see how you could appreciate his work. He not only was a great stand up comedian. But he did exactly what you're trying to do in terms of black enterprise. He created opportunities for other people. He not only created the Cosby Show, um, Bill Cosby Show, not just Cosby, but also a different world. And he employed black people. And it almost pains me to say, it's almost like Bill Cosby really did it for the culture. For us. And it sucks that his stuff... You know, it's just like I, I, just some things I cannot scoop past. So, can I support him now? Absolutely not. But is there something to still appreciate in the art that he did and what he created? Um, yeah, I do think so. But um, yeah, but I was not expecting to say Bill Cosby. But I can I can absolutely see why um, you would see his work, his body of work. Um, well, as, before I as started a, comedy, as an inspiration, uh-huh. yeah. Before I started comedy, I would like um, my dad was a big uh, Bill Cosby fan. My mom and my dad both loved comedy, but my dad loved Bill Cosby. So we had like posters of him and like like in the house and stuff like that. And um, he used to always talk about like just like the type of dude he was. And so um, it's yeah, it's shocking to like to to be honest. And it's hard to put his work aside. But I already, like, I already was a big fan, so I, I was like not a, I was not a humongous fan. I was more of a Dave Chappelle fan, but like, I had an admiration for who he was, being the highest paid comedian ever, like you know, almost breaking over a billion. And him and Eddie Murphy are the two highest paid comedians, like ever. Meaning, like they were really smart with their money, and they were, and that's why they still have. I mean, he still has money now, versus like, there's comics who are, who died broke. Or, you know, die drug addicts, you know, but the the rapist part is just, uh, I, <laughs> we're going to get some of something else, I guess. Okay, so yeah. I have a question. Mm-hmm. Um, one about the dark side of comedy. Yeah. Um, and you all just kind of speaking out of your personal stories and just kind of coming out of like your pain. And then I also want to ask you about what is the responsibility of the comedian in terms of like social justice? So you say, okay, so even though Bill Cosby, um, you know, is a rapist and he did what he did. So what responsibility do you have as a comedian to kind of speak truth to power to to those kinds of things, whether it be rape and me too, whether it be um, immigration and the border crisis, like what do you think is your responsibility to kind of have those conversations? And so, yeah, the dark side of comedy and then your role and responsibility in terms of just um, social justice and speaking the truth. Well, I guess uh, with the dark side of comedy, um, I would say that most comedians are weird people. So we're like, 
We're like almost like We're like humanoids We're not all the way human We just like We kind of appear human A little bit <laughs> Like we um, We just look at the world different I think we all have sh- Very strong opinions So That kind of makes That kind of makes A good comic But then on the dark side It's just you deal with A lot of depression Just cause of like Just being The funny person People always think You're okay Like you know Or um, Usually they They deal with like You know Most comedians are like Have dark tragic past Like where they were like like uh, like they needed attention That's what probably forces them to stage I kind of wasn't one of those people I I did have a lot of, I do have a big family But um, I never was like one of those people I felt like I needed attention I actually got into comedy Because my mom was like Was one of the people like Yeah you should definitely go do it She actually got me into acting And then it branched off from there But um, and you were saying something about com- You said the, the other part of the question was comedy right Like with um how type of comedian you were saying? I'm not. I don't remember. No. Yeah. So, um, so I have this thing where I like ask multiple questions in yeah, a question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> I, I, just, I was supposed to keep up. No, I, it's so cool. It's so cool. Yeah. So, um, the question is, in terms of like speaking truth to power, like what is like the social responsibility of comedians, especially like during these dark times that we're in? Um, what is your responsibility to uplift certain things within comedy? Well, yeah, I mean, it's always your job, I feel like, as a comedian, is to first, um, of course, make people laugh, feel good, uh, feel better, like, uh, that's why you that's why you do it. But um, you also want to inform people, we're almost like newsmen, almost like journal- journalists, like a lot of journalists are like comedic writers, or something like that, nine times out of ten. And because you just, you're kind of like, you're kind of like the court jester, like, back in the day, they were like the first people to make fun of, like, whatever king or whatever, and... It's just, it's just. I, I think it's. A, I think you definitely with your platform, with you being a comedian, you want to make sure your platform is strong, that you're always telling the truth, or that you're always keeping it real with your honest opinions. And sometimes you're wrong, and that's the hard part with a comic too. They're like, man, it's my art. Like I didn't, I could say whatever. Like they'll say the darkest stuff, and then be like, why are you challenging me on that? And sometimes some people don't want to hear that, and some people have an audience that wants to hear all that dark stuff, and I think that's meant for them, but uh, for. I feel like for black comics especially, uh, we definitely uh, should touch definitely more on the realer aspects of things just because, like, there's so many other fake comics. There's not as many comics talking about, like, uh, with, like the border control with people take st- separating families and just realness of, like, people um, about, like, how, like, our history of just, you know, us being enslaved and then people now look at it now like oh my god they're separating families but then no one has sympathy for the fact that our our families was disenfranchised for years separated by the government uh this ain't that long ago i mean i don't want to get that real but no no <laughs> no, 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 no but that's, that's i mean it's real like i mean i i i have sympathy for those kids and i don't want to see nobody go through that but there's people in there's people now that they're separated from their families by the government just because they they don't want a man in a house. They don't want. They don't want to help a family. Like, like the rent is raised here, and say if your family's on welfare now, and they will separate. They will take the man out of the house and make the government the man, pretty much. And that's pretty much what's happened in our communities. It just didn't happen as blatant as them separating you at the at the thing. But when you take a man out of the house, a family grows up off balance, and that's just the reality. And that's happened in our communities like for decades now. That and now we're our generation is reaping the, is having the problem of trying to get stay in trying to get together and stay together through 
I guess years and years and years of people being them them you're them taking your dad out of the house. Maybe he didn't want to come out of the house, you know, or maybe he didn't want to leave your your family, but due to him not due to him, due to like not being able to work or even if he had a job, say like bitter when you know it could be a lot of different stuff i don't want to go off of nothing crazy but i'm just saying like it just we have to keep it as real as possible i guess that would be is real well this is definitely the show to keep it real (laughs) um you know because i go there (laughs) you know and i will be so frank to say that america has been separating families from its inception i mean think about um you know the trail of tears and thinking about how they Forced, you know, Native Americans out of their own land and then taking uh, enslaved Africans and then just separating them, like, or us, rather. Yeah, <laughs> Not yeah. them, but us. Yeah. Um, and then all the way down to, like, the welfare system. Yeah. All the way up until housing. Like, it's everywhere, right? Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I really appreciate you just being real and authentic. And, like, you don't have to hold back. Like, <laughs> I mean, you don't, want, you don't want to say nothing crazy. I mean, we, we went over parameters, but we didn't go, like, to this point. <laughs> we didn't go to this depth. We wasn't talking about that. So I didn't want to go... Too well, and I also don't want to say nothing that I don't that I'm not 100 sure about. So either, so like, uh, I don't want to go that that raw. But you're right. Like we we've uh, we've been through so much, and it's kind of like crazy that like they've given all of this money to get to get to get these kids back home, and it's like they don't really need to do all of like it's and and I don't know if you've read like there's what I think they lost two thousand. Of those kids, two two thousand kids lost by the government, and like, come on, that that's that's crazy. Like, those are the stuff that definitely. I mean, you don't want to make that. You don't want to make it. You don't want to tell too many crazy jokes about it, but you do want to like let people aware. Like, hey, look, this stuff is really happening. Like, everything is laughing and joking, but you want to make people aware. Like, yo, man, they they're taking kids. Like, <laughs> like, hey, like, get boss up. What kind of, I guess, you know, LA. Ah, okay. So, next question. I want to talk about um, Black Joy. Okay. Okay. So, a good friend of mine by the name of Rashad Raymond Moore, um, he's Reverend Rashad. Um, He's a really good friend of mine. We went to school, um, you know, Morehouse and Spelman. And he's actually um, an associate pastor at Abyssinian in Harlem. Okay. So, not too far from where we are right now, literally. Um, And Rashad kind of does his work around black joy. Mm -hmm. And so, I see what you all are doing as an extension of black joy. Yeah. And I think that black joy is so important, especially in these times. How do you, um, how would you think or phrase or... Um, show that black joy is so important. Like, what do you think? Like, what are your thoughts on black joy and how that's so essential to what we need? Or even how, oh, this is it right here. I got it, Ishmael. Look, okay. look at the Holy Ghost. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> here we go. So how do you think black joy and the use of comedy specifically is an instrument and a tool to help heal the black community? And how essential is comedy as a tool and a vessel of black joy? Like, how is that for us? What are your thoughts on that? I mean, uh, well, black joy, first off, is definitely needed because so long, I think, in our community, we've been we've been used to saying, like, oh, we can't have this or we, we can't have, like, uh, it's funny. My, I, was, I say this to my, uh, my girlfriend all the time. We always talk about how, like, um, things that's, like, kind of right, we kind of... 
like black people react and we kind of look to white people sometimes to to say like to to to, instead of just acting normal we look at white people and we're like oh my god like we we don't want to be doing that because white people may look at us stupid like uh example so um my i have a niece she was eating with food uh, out out of her hand and my sister just went ballistic was like no don't you eat like slapped her hand and everything and i was like you know she's a kid she's like just let her have her like her her moments i think like even to the even to the degree of dancing knowing new dance moves it kind of infuriates me that i don't know no new dance moves but like the joy is that like other people other people that aren't black can just go to a club and just dance that like they could just go and look crazy and i will not allow myself to go to that, that degree so like i mean so with comedy wise you want to be able to let people know that we can be able to let our hair down we can have serious conversations still laugh joke enjoy ourselves and then you know you don't need to be uptight we don't need to feel like we like you don't need to feel like um wrong for enjoying life in general like uh a lot of times people don't want to go out to comedy people don't want to go out to comedy clubs people people don't want to continue to keep going out because they don't want to they make it feel like a bill or like they make it feel like oh i'm not as focused on whatever whatever my life is or whatever so um i just feel like that just people need to we definitely need more black black we need more black joy in general there's Enjoy, especially in these hard times We just need more people smiling and laughing and Enjoying um, Doing what they love I think that's those are the most important things I, I guess So how, is important, how important is it that we Support black comics and black comedians As you all are conduits of black joy Yeah um, I think it's very important um, a, lot of, a lot of things A few years ago when um, when uh, I guess when the uh, stock market crashed or whatever, um, and there was no black films coming up, we still feel the effects now. Like, all, I think um, there was like black actors that were passed up that would have been really good black actors for the last ten years, but they didn't have the films to be able to do it. So now that we're back in, an, I guess, an economical boom where you can be able to support black art, uh, I believe you should if you have a chance. Not just comedy, just any black art. Uh, like you see a play. You see a black play, just go go watch it. Just because you never know, the person on that stage could be the next Denzel Washington, or you know, next Taraji P Henson, you know, or any of those type of people. Um, but definitely with comedy, we definitely need people supporting comedy because it's just not as fun when you have a room full. Like we do the brunch show every every Sunday at three p.m. at the Shrine. Uh, we do it when we do it. Um, it's dope when we have nothing but black people in there. Like, I think it was like a week or two ago, we had a packed house full of nothing but black people. And it was the most enjoyable show because we're able to put, we're going to have the talent, but it's not as fun if if whoever's listening is not there or if you're not there. You know what I'm saying? So, or when we went on Monday, you came to the show Monday. So uh, I run another show at Silvana on um, every third Monday. And, um, it was nothing but black people in there And it was very enjoyable It was like one or two white people who got clowned a little bit But it was enjoyable It was it was fun And it was like a It was a, not as many of us it was Like 20 of us in there But like it was still It was dope And it was good to be able to be black Laugh You know Have fun And just have a good time I guess you know Like that's the most important Most importantly You want to make sure that you're like that you want to keep feeding these artists so they will be more encouraged to do the more content 
more content that you want that you want them to speak on and also taking pictures with comics really helps i just want to let everybody know i take i get like maybe one picture like one or two, two pictures a month maybe with individual people and it's usually never black people either it's usually like an indian girl or it's like a white girl yeah and i hate taking pictures with white girl because i don't want nobody to think i like white women i want everybody to know i like black women and i'd be like damn why this white girl got asked me and you can't say no you can't say no because i'm like not known I'm just saying, like, I don't want more people taking pictures, because <laughs> this is, like, this is a real struggle for for performers. You'd be like, yeah, man, anybody want to take pictures? Everybody'd be like, nah, I'm going to go home. Like, no, I need y'all to take pictures now. You could be, I'm going to be famous one day. Yeah, take pictures now. Because it's wild. <laughs> I wish everybody could see how hard I was laughing uh, yeah. right now. <laughs> I was trying so hard to not laugh. <laughs> but, um, but Ishmael's hilarious, like... Did you hear him say about this white girl? I don't really. <laughs> he said, I don't, I don't know to get to thinking that I like white yeah. women. Yeah, yeah, nah, nah. He I'm really not. does this for the culture, y'all. Yeah, like, he's nah. down to earth. No, no, no. Okay. Like, 100% pro black. 100%. 100% pro black. I got a black owned bank. I'm, I'm with a black bank. That's like how. That's when you really know you're like on the other side of pro blackness. When you go, like, I mean, I can't even. I can't even put my bank with white people. I gotta have my bank with people who look like me. I gotta really support the community. Like that's kind of where I think everybody who who really wants to be like that should should be like that. But not everybody has that means, and I don't want to put that on nobody. But you know that happens. So you're like support black people, buy from black people, go laugh with black people, yeah. and just be black with black people. Yeah, I feel it, Ishmael. I feel it, and so um. I do want to ask you a little bit. Um, you got this thing going um, that you're about to reboot called Black Flicks and Chill. Oh, yeah. So, you know, I want to plug that for the for the Saints in the New York area, you know, with yes. your New York, Connecticut, and New Jersey, which many of you are who listen to the show. Um, and some folks out in L.A., shout out to the L.A. people. I see you. I just came from L.A. <laughs> I just came from L.A. like uh, about a month ago, almost. Almost a month, like three weeks ago, I came from L.A. It was dope. I was at the BET Awards. Uh, you might not ever see, You won't see me On television But I was there I was like yo In the back <laughs> Way in the back <laughs> Yeah so I really want to you know, Shout shout out You know those who listen I, I appreciate y'all Cause like y'all don't really Have to listen But you do um, And so I love you And I appreciate you saints But um, Ishmael's about to reboot This thing called Black Flicks and Chill So we all know the, the slogan Not slogan But you know The thing of Netflix and chill um, which I don't really know nothing about because, you know, Netflix is high and, you know, I'm trying to save money and I don't really have nobody to chill with. So it's more like Portia and chill or books and chill or Jesus and chill. You know, I cuddle up with a good sermon on Saturdays. Um, so, you know, when I'm done, you know, you know, with life, not with life, but, you know, doing life on Saturday, I kind of, you know, turn on a sermon. But, you know, but this black flicks and chill, like, I, I feel like this is something of interest for, like, people like me who may not have anything to do do like that on a Saturday, but may want to live their best life, you know, whether it be a Saturday, a Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, whatever day that you do it. Um, what is Black Fix and Show and how can we support that and come out? And um, yeah, what is it, Ishmael? Well, well, Black Flicks and Chill is um, it's kind of how it sounds. It's literally uh, like it's really black. It's black films that's made by local film filmmakers. Uh, we all get to one location um, at Harlem Mist at uh, 116. Um, what we do is we we show a film that you're used to watching, like uh, like Five Heartbeats, which is one of my favorite black films. Uh, we show black exploitation films. We show um, like uh, the last time we did it, which was on um, 
Valentine's Day, we show a double feature. We show Lady Sings the Blues and we show Love Jones, just two of the black, best black love songs. If, but most black people have never seen Lady Sings the Blues, so it was the first time for a lot of people who had never seen it. And a lot of people walked out like, man, I didn't even know they had black films like this. And I'm like, yo. You gotta get up on your black. You gotta get up on your blackness. We just we wasn't just black. We wasn't just making black films with black. Starting with Black Panther, we made black films way back in the in the eighteen hundreds. They made they started making black films <laughs> like no for real like nineteen ten nineteen twenty. Um, one of the first black filmmakers. He was directing, producing, starring his own films, and they used to, he used to go around to other black owned theaters, showing his films inside black owned theaters. That was the way that he distributed his film. So like, you know. There was people doing it way before Spike Lee. Like, Spike Lee, to most people, is, like, the most famous black director. But, you know, we want to be able to show, like, have local, connected, you know, tri-state area um, directors come out, show their show their films. Um, we try to get the short films, like, ten, five to ten minutes. Um, and it's usually a good time. We usually have all different forms of artists, from singers to actors to whatever and that's real black black joy right there when they all come out and it's it's dope it's usually dope we always usually have a sold out crowd so it's usually really good and it's cheap it's only like five bucks maximum be ten dollars as if like uh if it's like a um sundance film screening that we get but um it's usually five dollars which is not bad and um you get to be in the mecca you get to be in black mecca harlem <laughs> Which is dope, you know. And you write up on the Twenty Fifth Street right after you leave. You can this food there. Maybe get free popcorn. I don't know. It's dope. It's dope. I guess. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Ishmael. That that that. You know, I gotta come check that out. So you make sure you let me know so I can let the Saints know. So you know we can really plug that and put people on. And so Ishmael. Um, I will just say I have had a tremendous time just kind of hanging with you, recording with you. This has been like fantastic, and yes. so I, I really, really um, enjoy you. Is there anything else that you want to like talk about, bring up? You know, just for the Saints, for just for the heck of it, because you know you've got you've got a lot of gems to drop. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yes, so yeah. you've got you got a lot of gems to drop. So you know, um, the mic is open. Um, you know, if you want to just like say something, share something, you know, for the for the culture for the people so yeah okay so i know we were talking earlier about not wanting to be uh perceived like i was a dude dating white women so i want to talk about michael b jordan if anybody <laughs> out there uh because he's a good dude he's a good dude i love him in his films but i just feel like ladies need to just calm down with the dude he's not malcolm x like he's not a political leader he's just an he's an entertainer and who he dates really shouldn't really matter. I mean, I would want him, as a pro-black person, I would want him to date um, a black woman and to cultivate a black family, you know, be like be like me. But <laughs> if he's not like me, I don't want, I want him to organically uh, develop a relationship with a black woman, not like, not be forced into it. And then um, we hear some crazy story, like, like, because he was forced into some relationship with, like, let's say somebody like Zendaya. Who is like you know a very attractive young woman, but like you wouldn't want them two to be forced together, and then he's like on some Chris Brown shit where he like happened to where they happened to get in some fight, and then like then now you're he's really shattered in your eyes. I'd rather him, yeah, he's young. Let him date, let him run through all the white girls that he wants to run through right now, and then when it's time, let him find him a black queen that's gonna take care of him for the rest of his life, and then that'd be good. You know, we don't need to have you know all of this craziness about him. 
And like I seen girls were like I'm throwing him away He's done Cause he's on the boat With white girls I don't know And it wasn't even a yacht It was a regular boat It was a speed boat It wasn't a yacht Like everybody's like He's in Italy in a yacht Like it was a regular It could only fit like Four people in that boat He was there with two white girls And three white dudes I don't know Like I mean the crime was that he wasn't hanging with no black people. That was a, I, I couldn't be in Italy with no black people. I'd be like, bruh, I don't know. We hostile? He's not seen hostile the movie. Like, I don't know. I'd be real. I'd be real shocked. But that's just me. That's just me. I don't know. Do you feel it? How do you feel about it? You know, I've said it before um, on this show, and I will continue to say it again. Um, you know, MBJ is not canceled. Um, I support him. I support what he does. Um, I got nothing but love for him. You know, honestly, at the end of the day, like, you know, if he likes white girls, he likes white girls. Now, like I've, I said before, you know, when Drex was on the show, and I said in my very first episode, um, people were going to boycott Black Panther because he was dating or was seen with a non-ethnic-looking uh, woman. And yeah. so I'm just like, listen, what we're not going to do is boycott Black Panther. That's not going to happen. Yeah, um, and two, like, if he has a preference, he has a preference. Yeah. I honestly think that he likes all women like and I think at this point in his life he is 30 what, 31 years old making millions of dollars I think he genuinely you know is into anything with legs and a pulse at this point <laughs> um, and and honestly as a young man who is living the best part of his life right now he's entitled to that like he's yeah. entitled to do what he what he would want to do with anyone who's also consenting along with him. Yep. Um, and I don't think that should be a problem. I don't think we should cancel him because of that. Because I don't hear people canceling folk for uh, black women for dating white men. Sure. And I feel like it's a double standard. But I do think what people want from him is to say I love black women. Or to just fly out say, you know what? I love all women and not just like, oh, I like chocolate milk, strawberry milk, vanilla milk. Like, just say... The explanation was bad. Yeah. Just be like, I like women, and I do like black women. I enjoy black women, but um, you know, I I like everybody, and that's okay. But you know, at the same time, though, I really feel like people need to ease off because what else can you really say about them? Yeah, like there's nothing you can really say about him besides the fact that who he is. Dude's a good dude. I mean, he's a good. I'm I'm not. I don't know him personally, so like, I can only go off of what I've read or what I've heard about him, and. Dude, dude gives away stuff. He gives away money, like gives away money, gives away buys clothes for kids around Christmas time and stuff like that. That's the stuff that doesn't get reported or that people don't commend him about. But then they will like commend him on who he dates. You know what I'm saying? The dude is active in his community, which is more important. I mean, I don't want to say more important. I mean, I said that's it. No, no, I'll take that back. It's not more important, but it's it's very important to be active in your community doing stuff. But. I mean, if he if he ended up if he now he married a white girl, everybody has every right to be like to. If you were a fan and you really wanted, you really wanted, you shot your shot and he turned you down, you have the right exact right to be mad. But if he's just dating a white, yeah, I mean, come on, man. I'm 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 27 and I've dated plenty of not white girls, but I've dated plenty of women in general. And you just don't want to be with a man in general who's not ready to be at that level, especially if you're a woman and you want you wouldn't want to see Michael B. Jordan running through Zendaya, Kiki Palmer, um, Teresa Thompson, all of these women right now because it would it would give more of a bad. I feel like that's worse than him dating an occasional white girl here and there, or you know you you know what I'm saying like. It, I mean, I feel you, but I think part of it is like the major part of it is. 
black women have hopes and they have dreams and they want to be with someone who looks just like him who um, is kind like him, yeah. who has a bank account like him. Um, and they out there. They out there. And, you know, honestly, I can say... They're not just basketball players, either. No, right about it. And I will say, you know, um, with my own um, MBJ uh, encounter, which I have shared on this show, too, you know, he, he it really is a genuine person. And he did me a solid, you know, for my kids, you know, at my church, mm-hmm. um, all on a tweet, you know, literally. Like, and he, like, he literally came through. Like, you know, I just was like, oh, you know, let me just see what will happen. And he did. Like, he, like, he came through um, in a in a very great way. Um, and so I will forever, you know, be appreciative of that. But at the same time, I also think that people get heartbroken because they wanted a shot and they felt like they can't. They're not eligible for a shot. But, you know... They don't know if they're eligible if they don't shoot their shot. Then, just, and that's, that's the thing. thing. And that's the thing. You just got to shoot your shot. And truth be told, I think um, MBJ wants, you know, someone... I, truth, to, be, to, to be truthful and honest, his mother and his sister are amazing women. And I think when he gets ready, when he's really ready um, to, like, settle down with someone... I wouldn't be surprised if it's just an everyday black woman, like someone who's not famous, but someone who's just like his mother, just like his sister, um, who he can love on and appreciate and who will see him for who he is authentically and genuine. Um, And so I shout him out. But, you know, everybody else, you know, chill. The the dating scene is hard enough as it is. It's hard enough as it is. Okay. Um, but you know, in, in any in any case, um, I do I do want to have that conversation with somebody. So if you're out there listening in Listenersville, um, if you want to have that conversation with me, uh, please hit me up. You know, I, I definitely would love to have that conversation with somebody out there. I w- yeah, yeah, I, and I want to tune in. I want to just be in the room. I just want to be in the room so I can be able to do the dude side because it's just so hard. It's that's another thing. It's hard being a, a black dude dating, and I'm not saying it's hard, hard being a black woman because I know. It's definitely hard. I have two sisters, and they're uh, one's one's kind of single, the other one's single. I don't really, you know. It's kind of single. It's like where like she got dudes that's around, but she don't really like them like that. Uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like dudes. Is, they 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 go to the movies here and there, but she's like, I don't know. I don't really like. I'm hoping that she don't play this for nobody else. If she listens to this, my sister doesn't listen to stuff I do, so I'm hoping she doesn't listen. To, I don't want to say her name either. But uh, sis, I hope you listen. I hope you share it. Share it. Share it. <laughs> Don't share it with the dude because you're going to lose him. Uh, well, you just said she don't like him, so. She don't like him, but you, she still need him to take out the movie. You hear your brother yeah, yeah. throwing all your business out there, sis? Uh, yeah, it, it's cool. We, we family. We family. She's going to throw my business out there. She's going to be like, I don't ever like, I'm private. I don't like bringing, I don't like bringing my girlfriend home to like, not bringing my girlfriend currently, but cur- girlfriends of the past. Oh, I didn't oh, like I to bring say, them clean to, it up, clean I didn't up. like to bring them to my, to my mom's house. So, because to meet my mom's, I feel like that's. That's final. Like that's a final thing. If you come, you got to be something serious to bring home to mom. You know what I'm saying? Like that. Like you shouldn't. It shouldn't be just like, yeah, I brought this girl. I seen this girl from the club. Or if you've been dating, I feel like you've been dating like six months. It's around the time you could kind of know. But nine times in ten, I wasn't serious about girls, so I'd be like women in general. So I'd be like, nah. So my sister would probably throw shade at that. But anyway, uh, back to her. Back to the in general, like. You, it's just hard dating in general, like just for any person, especially in this era where people don't want to like catch as many feelings and people kind of stunt online. They kind of like they'll kind of stunt and like people love being petty 
to. Um, so oh, I'm super petty. Yeah, see, okay. <laughs> you know, shout out to Just Two Pros podcast. You know, I do the segment, the petty pro segment. Y'all know. Mm. Oh my god! <laughs> but it's it kind of hurts relationships when like you have one bad experience. People, you know, especially I feel like us, we get really emotional. Uh, I get really emotional I know Like if a girl One girl Treat me bad Not saying I'm bringing this over To the next relationship But like For like a good Three month period I'm like man I'm running through Every type of smut I probably can No disrespect Uh, (laughs) And I'm just going Doing my thing But like You don't want You don't want You don't want that to happen To people in general You know what I'm saying Like so I try to do in In a relationship thing If I feel like It's not going nowhere I like to just be Open and honest With the With it And I don't know How I got here but <laughs> but, but somehow we got on the topic of yeah. relationships, which is yeah. which is crazy. Congrats and I, Michael B. Jordan. Yeah, yeah. and I talked about relationships too, which is making me now wonder. <laughs> maybe we need to do a personality comedy ish live podcast recording. Yeah, we probably do. We probably do. <laughs> we probably could make that happen. But yeah. um, you know, I appreciate you, Ishmael. Thank, Thank you for no coming problem. through. Thank you. And how can people find you? Um, I am on all social media sites. Um, you can find me on Instagram as Funny Guy Ish, um, or you can find, you. I have a we have our comedy ish productions on Instagram as well and on Facebook, um, uh, and on Twitter. I believe my name is also Funny Guy Ish, or it's, no, it's Ishmael Gainer TV on um, Twitter. Uh, just type in Ishmael Gainer, you'll find me on anything, it, it, everything. I'm on YouTube. I have a uh, everything everywhere. So yeah. And I'll plug you in the description box. So thank you for coming, Ishmael. Yes. Thanks so much for joining me on another episode of Portionality Podcast. Can't wait to hear from you when you email me directly at portionality at gmail.com with your topics and with your listener questions. You can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at Portionality. And as always, peace, light, and love, and namaste to you.